It's Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Margot Lightman is her name. She's a famous comedian, and uh, she also wrote a beautiful book called Long Story Short, the only storytelling guide you'll ever need. And uh, it's so popular today when you hear about storytelling. Best to hear it from a comedian. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Is that your title, comedian, or do you like another title? Uh, I usually, I mean, what, now I think saying storyteller is more acceptable. I mean, I tell comedic stories on stage which is slightly different than doing stand-up, but they are comedic. So performer, writer. Dirty stories, clean stories? Both? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I run the gamut. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be open-minded. Got to be flexible today. I'm really. very flexible. <laughs> it's such a cute book. You know, I always go as a litmus test. Uh, my wife, you know, asking, she saw the book. She's, uh, this is perfect. This is perfect. And she, you know, English major, NYU, long story oh, short, uh, again, the only storytelling guide you'll ever need. What made you write this book? I had been teaching storytelling for a while, and I had seen amazing results in people. And I had created my own curriculum. And just and I was getting all different types of people in the door. And it was really blowing up. My business was really blowing up. And I thought, I can't get to everybody. If I write a book and I put basically my lesson plans and what I've learned in that, I can reach more people. And then what happened when I wrote the book is it became a bestseller and now people are flying me all over the place to teach them storytelling. But that, that was the intent was to just get as many people these tools that I saw really working in people and people's lives were changing after they discovered how to share their story. I, I just saw so many people's lives change for the better 
People want to know how to tell a good story. I mean, it affects their love life. It affects their marriage. It affects business and everything. And I want everyone to know that Margot Lightman founded the storytelling program at the Upright Citizens Brigade and is a five-time winner of the Moth and a winner of the Moth uh, Grand uh, Grand Slam. Excuse me. Yeah, Yeah, I'll edit that. (laughs) (laughs) She has performed on the, uh, the best week ever and a late night with Conan O'Brien, and her stories have been featured on the Moth uh, uh, podcast, Risk, and NPR's Good Food. I mean, just briefly, tell us about you know with being on Conan O'Brien. I know you do a lot, but uh, how was that experience? Well, that was years ago in New York when they were back in New York. I used to do, be an actor on the show. I would do. I wasn't on there doing comedy, uh, stand-up comedy. I was on there as a sketch performer, and I did recurring characters, and I was. I was on many, many episodes as a bunch of different characters, but this one character I did was called Gynoblast, which was this like action figure <laughs> that was, uh, that would shoot babies into a target. And she was always like giving birth. And it was this really funny superhero character that they had that I ended up doing a bunch of episodes as this character, uh, which was why I was so frequently on the show, but I did a bunch of other characters as well on there. It was a fun, it was about it. I guess maybe two years on and off that I was in and out of there quite frequently. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. He, he tells a good story too. He's he's gifted as well. You know, yeah. you know, the storytelling, and they say he's a nice guy. Is he a nice guy? Yeah, yeah, and very tall, as you can see. And the <laughs> hair is less red, less shockingly red in person. It's so shockingly red on camera, but it looks less shockingly. Interesting. Red. Yeah. What is it about storytelling? I mean, you know, it, you're a comedian, of course, uh, and, and an author and a speaker. Um, people here, you're talking about break the ice, you know, so this rabbi and a priest walk into this bar. Okay. <laughs> and, and it, all of a sudden it does something, you know, you hear that and it opens up. Uh, what does it open up for people to, to laugh to what? Telling stories, what does it open up? Yeah. I think it opens up a room for the audience to start thinking about their own stories and connecting instantly with the performer up there sharing something. So while the person up there is brave enough to share their story, the audience goes, oh, I something like that happened to me or that relates to something in my own life. And then at that point, the audience member really deeply finds a connection with the performer in a way that is almost very intimate. Like you feel like, you know, the performer by the end of their five minute story personally, and you don't, but it feels like that. And it's just an incredible experience to hear someone share something true from the heart. That is also funny. You have to break the ice early. I mean, I watch videos of you as a, as a comedian and and you do, you instantly break the ice. And I imagine you can't really work as a comedian if you can't do that (laughs) because, uh, I mean, you do have to, I say you have to get them on board right away and rooting for you right away and feeling, knowing what you want in the story right away. All of those things are things at the top of your story that are helpful to make story, to make statements that are inclusive at the top of your story is also a good way to bring people in rather than making exclusive statements that makes the audience feel left out of your story, but saying things that makes them feel like they're a part of it as well is, is another good way to bring people in. If you were a tour guide, okay, Margo Lyman, and you're taking us through the finer points of your book, what kind of travel would it be? Take us through. Well, I think the big thing it would be would be keep your story universal, uh, meaning that don't make it self-indulgent. Make it sure it has universal themes that appeal to a broad audience. That would be a big, big thing in my book that I spend about a chapter on. 
uh, I would say keep it true. It's a weird thing to say, but a lot of people want to stray from that. So keep it universal, keep it true. I would say less is more. Really think about what you're adding to a story and think, does this further the plot? Does it further the stakes? Does it keep the story moving? Or is this just something that I'm self-indulgently wanting to include in here for no reason? Because uh, you can get a lot in five minutes that you people will tend to put into a 12-minute story that could be a five-minute story. Uh, and audiences are completely fine with a five-minute story if that's what you that's what you can do. Um, so I would say keep it universal, one, keep it true, keep it less is more. <laughs> and then what would be my last one? I would say let make it easy to follow. <laughs> uh, sometimes I get lost in a story and I can't understand. So people have all of these extraneous characters sometimes that really don't have anything to do with it. And you can cut those people out if, if they don't add to the story. I, yeah, I was going to say, too, yeah. too many people, we, we clutter it up. I mean, we try to tell a story. And uh, so I kid around. So I think sometimes, you know, if you look at pastors in church, I think they all have ADHD. And, and it's like, <laughs> I'll turn to my wife. I say, did you follow that? And why couldn't it just been a simple story? But uh, we went from, they went from like uh, grocery shopping to um, I'm like, Jesus. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> You know, how do Where's you get the connection? Yeah. The connection, you know, just keep a, you know, people like to stay on track. Yeah, I do. And I think that a lot of people try to complicate things by not telling a story linearly. And I'm a big fan of telling a story linearly. Just tell me what happened beginning, middle and end. But there's this sort of, I don't know if you ever saw that movie Memento style of storytelling, which is just starting at the back and retracing steps and go, and that's great. And some people can do that really effectively, but I don't, I'm not one of those people, unfortunately. Me either. And I, I've had students that can do it and can do it really well and all power to them. But I also think that it's not a great place to try and do your first story on stage from. I think when you do your first story on stage or for an audience, whatever that is, you should at first try to tell a linear story and then complicate it later on. But a lot of people start in a, from a really complicated place and they overcomplicate it. Like what you were saying about your past, uh, pastor. Sometimes it gets overcomplicated and it doesn't need to be. We want to follow what happened. And no one is brave enough to tell them. <laughs> they say, you stink, you know, I'm just kidding. But um, so, you know, but I want people to know certainly that uh, not just as a comedian author, but uh, you've written for NBC DreamWorks TV, the Hallmark Channel. The yeah, I've done some TV yeah. writing. I've had, uh, I used to have more time because that, when, when I worked on shows, um, it takes, it takes over, you know, it's your life and it's a full-time job and it's, and it's really amazing and a wonderful opportunity. But my storytelling business in terms of teaching, performing, touring, public speaking with it has really in the past two years become almost all I can do at this point. So I, I do love writing for television and I have done quite a bit of it and been fortunate enough to do it, but it's, I, I, uh, I'm not doing it as frequently as I did before because of all of this amazing storytelling work. Yeah. You have to learn how to connect. I mean, it seems like that's what you teach us how to do emotionally, um, mentally. You could mention the others, I, I suppose. But, you know, I think are we a little disconnected in the world we're living in with social media, do you think? Or do you think that uh, we have to learn how to connect again? I mean, storytelling is so big today. 
It is so big today. And I do think the intent with social media is to connect. I do, I, I do think people are going on there looking for connection, but whether or not that happens, truly, it depends on the situation. And some people have. I mean, I connected with this amazing artist in New York that I just saw some of his stuff on New York and online. And I thought it was great art. And I ended up buying a bunch of pieces from him and all of that was just from a social media post. And now I have this wonderful conversation piece in my house. And that was a great way to connect with an artist that I wouldn't have connected with. But I do also think that there's a lot of aimless connection going on out there in it. And I do think therefore we're looking to put our phones down and go to something and really feel a connection with another human being. And in my classes, now that I'm, I'm teaching one, uh, an intensive right now, that's, uh, five days a week for three hours a day for two weeks. And it's great. But the instant connection that people felt on day, maybe starting on day two of that class was nothing like I've ever seen on, on, on my online connections. Yeah. Margo, don't stop there. Give out the, uh, you know, give out the info. When, where, how can people get on board? And seriously, how can they get on board with you? To teach? Well, to, to I guess, to learn. Uh, well, on my website, margolightman.com, you can uh, reach out to me. And there are many different ways I can teach. I go a lot of places and I teach one day intensives or I do a couple days intensives or I do keynote talks uh, to large groups about storytelling or I do hour-long performances of my own stories or host storytelling shows. There's a whole a lot of services out there and I work with a lot of corporations as well. So if you go to my website, margolightman.com, and just hit uh, contact, we can start talking. <laughs> you go, we definitely have a conversation. And uh, I want, um, you know, when you go to Barnes and Noble or someplace, or even yeah. you, know, you go to school, or if you go back to kindergarten, and uh, all the kids are gathered around, they seem like they're, they know something's going on, something fun is happening. And they're there kind of like in a circle, and there's milk and cookie hour, and it's storytelling time. But it seems like this wonder in their eyes, this anticipation that something amazing is about to happen. You know, as adults, we're trying to recreate that. I mean, that's why storytelling is so popular today. Do those kids know something we don't know? <laughs> uh, I think that they are, uh, they, they might, they might. My son is in kindergarten, as you're saying that. And I think that he gets really excited about stories as well, fictional stories that are being read to him. But the other night, I tried to tell him some true stories from my life, and he was a tough audience, man. <laughs> so, so I do think children with hearing story time and fiction, there is something magical about that that we could learn from for sure. But I do think, I will say that I feel very lucky that when I go perform for an audience, the crowd does want to be there, and they are pretty attentive because they have made the point to leave their house and go and watch a show and they're pretty present when i when i'm on stage yes. well yeah. you say right here in your book it's page 271 and mm -hmm. once again margaret lightman long story short the book the only storytelling guide you'll ever need and uh, you say that storytelling is so popular right now as we've been talking about and you have a ready-made audience believe me you say you are miles ahead of the resources that i had when you know beginning storytelling yeah. now's the perfect time number one you encourage people to start your own storytelling show. Yes. Two, yes. try and you know get your written stories published. Three, write your memoir and try to get it published. Four, start a podcast. 
uh, five, I guess I could count, link your stories together to form a one-person show. Six, tour the public speaking circuit telling your story. And uh, I thought it went up to 10. Okay, up to six. (laughs) So can you elaborate on some of those? Yeah, I think that when I started telling stories, first of all, there weren't podcasts weren't as big as they are now. There, I think there was just kind of radio shows that had some storytelling elements to them here and there. But I mean, so that's a huge market for storytelling right now. And there's tons of podcasts that are just storytelling, people telling stories, uh, true stories. So there's that that was was not going on when I was starting. the The live show world of storytelling when I started in New York, we started, my friend and I started a storytelling show in New York city in 2007. And we were one of the only ones. And now there's one to two to three, maybe every night of the week in, in big cities like New York or LA. So the opportunities are much bigger in terms of public speaking on a circuit. When I say share your story, what I mean is if there's something very specific about your life, my friend, for example, tours colleges, telling her story, personal story of her coping with mental illness and having, having to live in the world with this and what she, what she has overcome and what she is working with. And she tours a lot speaking about that. And that's most of us have it anyways. I mean, people don't talk about it. Let's be honest. So she's found an aspect of her story, which is not her, you know, there's a million other aspects to her besides that, but there's a specific aspect of her story that she can go and speak about. So it's a matter of thinking to yourself, what is it about my story that I could go and hone in on and create keynote talks around and share that with others? So a lot of places with me right now, you know, they just want to hear about storytelling as a keynote, but a lot of people also want to talk to me about what I found a new angle of talking, speaking to audiences is creating your own path, creating your own job is a big thing that right now. And I've been able to give some speeches on how to, do that as well. So, you know, I mean, it's about finding what is a niche thing you can speak about that you specically can speak about. Uh, so with that, what were some of my other ones yeah, that well, I said? I, memoir? Know, I where was that? 270? I'm sorry. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I can elaborate on memoir. Memoir <laughs> yeah. is easier said than done to get a memoir published. I've published a memoir before my, my storytelling book. My memoir was called Gawky Tales of an Extra Long Awkward Phase. And that was about my... Uh, <laughs> strange uh awkward adolescence in in the 90s in new jersey being five foot six and in fourth grade and this crazy brooding artist type in this football town and it's it's it was a lot of fun but it was a big challenge to get it published and i finally did and i was really committed to doing it and then from there i you know i i published long story short and then i have a, a third book coming out next summer a sequel to long story short but it is easier said than done to say, just publish a memoir, but you've got to start somewhere. And if it's something you want to do, start writing those stories down and start trying to get a couple of them published places. So they get some heat on them. So people can start reading your work and then going from there. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the easiest one, but I'm saying that it is possible. When I published my memoir, I was a pretty much an unknown and I made it happen because I really wanted to. So, well, I, I don't yeah. agree with number four, just so you know, uh, starting a podcast because there are some terrible podcasts out there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's kind of like really, really bad, but you do, you know, something I started that way. I mean, you have to, you have to start somewhere, as you said. So uh, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, I want to, <laughs> I want to ask you something. Now is the uh, Barbara Walters portion of the interview. 
where I want to ask you if you would share your heart with us, if you will. And I mean by, you know, what is it that you want to draw out of people? What is your heart and methodology about storytelling in a nutshell when it comes to what do you think is in people that needs to come out? And, and how do you think storytelling makes the world a better place? Everyone is interesting. I don't think everyone believes that they are, but everyone truly is. And everyone has a story to tell and everyone is unique. And I think that the big thing I'm noticing is that people don't realize that their story matters and that their story deserves to be told and that they deserve to be the one to share it. And uh, my next book, which is either going to be called Tell Your Story or What's Your Story? What's Your Vote? Tell Your Story or What's Your Story? Okay, well, I, was, I thought you were asking me for the... Yeah, the yeah. Oh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I like What's Your Story? Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus. I'm in the dark here on Tell Your Story. But anyway, the, the, uh, <laughs> my, my book, when it comes out next summer, is all about the fact that you are responsible for sharing your story in your lifetime. Because if you don't, it will either not be told or someone else will tell it their way. And that's the whole premise of my next book. And that's really the kick I'm on right now, which is tell your story, tell it mindfully, tell it with good tools, learn to tell it in your lifetime, because otherwise, what if it never gets told? Or what if, what if someone else tells it their way? And, you know, I, I was very inspired when I went to see the play Hamilton, not, not just about what a great play it is, but the fact that it took hundreds of years for Alexander Hamilton's story to be told via the book mm. and via the play. And, you know, who tells your story? And it shouldn't have taken this long for that story to be told. And yes, that's what really inspired me from that and very much inspired this next book out of me. So this next book is all about really specific tools and writing exercises. And, you know, you write stories literally in the book uh, based on these tools. So, um, that, I think that's my big message right now is tell your story in this lifetime because otherwise it swirls in your head and it lives there and it takes up space. And wouldn't it be great to get it out of your head and out into the world so it's no longer taking space up in your head so better things can be in there? So but how many though. times do you just talk to a friend about something that's been bothering you, let's say, and then they may not give advice or anything, but just getting it out of your head. And you go, oh, I feel so much better now. I don't even, I don't even care what you have to say about it. I just feel better getting out of there. You know? Got an audience. <laughs> right. But what if something incredible has happened to you? Or maybe not incredible, but it really affected you. And it just sits in your head and you do nothing with it. You know? Well, I've heard these interviews, you know, with Steve Jobs. He says that a lot of people think that they're just supposed to be living in this world. Uh, they don't want to bump into the walls, don't want to cause too much trouble, don't want to be heard, just kind of stay in their lane. And, you know, he said, what a limited viewpoint that people have because people really do want to be heard. And so we watch television and comedians and actors and actresses. And somehow those are the people that have the right to tell the story. And we don't, we're just on the couch, but everybody like you're saying is a story to tell. And it's just kind of it being heard is yeah. the issue. Sometimes I think we, how sad we can live our lives and, and believe that we're non-factors. And we all have a story to tell that can affect someone else. As you had mentioned, putting your memoir out there and your stories telling, and, well, you know, affecting other people. So, uh, yeah, to yeah. remain silent and uh, we all have something to say. And nobody teaches you how to do that except you. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Martha Lightman does. I do. Uh, but I've, I've started to realize 
I, I don't know. I mean, I do feel like it's my true calling. I really, really do. And the more people I get through to, and the more people I see their lives changing after they have tools to tell stories. I mean, I've had students fall in love or end relationships or get sober or change fields. I've just seen so many things happen after they start telling stories, just drastic life changes for the better. And it's, I just realized that, gosh, this is what I really should be doing with my life because I really have found a way to tap into people and help people. And I love it. And it's fun. And it's just, it's just such a treat, you know, perfect size book too. your book. I mean, I, (laughs) that's the thing I love about it also, not only the content and it's just, you want to eat it up. uh, But the thing is, it's, uh, you know, I'm glad it wasn't one of these huge books per se, you know what I mean? It's, it's, there's one guy Big There's enough, one guy but, yeah. on Amazon, which is my favorite review, that took a picture of his hand next to it. He was, he was, he gave it a bad review because of the size. Oh wow! I mean, literally, like the the square, the inches of the book. He was like, There's you know a joke there somewhere, but it's a rated G joke. But I just love that he was so angered, and then he took a picture of it next to his hand. He was like, You're right. Like a couple inches bigger. Oh my anyway, no, so but the perfect like, size. We don't. <laughs> No, because you see, there's tons of content in it, which is important. People should know. But um, yeah, I, I actually thought it was one of the better parts of, uh, you know, you can take it with you wherever you go. It's perfect. And um, it's an easy read. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm a big tennis fan, you know, Roger Federer, and he's a Grand Slam champion. You're a Moth Grand Slam champion. What is that? So at the Moth, uh, which is a story international storytelling competition where they have in various cities all over the world competitions you go and you put your name in a hat and then if you get chosen to tell a story on a specific theme yeah they will vote for the winner that night and then so if you win that night then you go a couple months later once they gather 10 winners of from the city and the 10 most recent winners in that city will all compete against each other for one wow. uh, winning prize so hmm. yeah that's awesome it was. It was great. Yeah. And I got yeah. one of the very first perfect tens from a judge, which was, who did that? Nadia Comaneci, is that right? And <laughs> it was, <laughs> That's so right, it was yeah. a very Olympic moment for me. But yeah, the Russian uh, judge gave me a ten. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really, that is awesome. I, I, you know, and honestly, people probably don't know what it is. Now they do. And, um, and, and this is like the new Toastmasters, obviously. I think that there are some parallels to Toastmasters with it. Yeah. I, I know people that have done Toastmasters, but I don't have any experience with it. So I'm not really sure how similar it is, but I just know a lot of people that do both. It sounds like. Well, I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, in the past, you know, all the jobs I've ever had. Okay. And I say jobs, but, and so, you know, all the interviews and, and everybody want, they ask you to tell a story basically about yeah. you. So if you can't do that, I mean, how in the world are people going to, advance anywhere or if you want to be assertive on the job and tell a story about you know how you can get uh you know from point a to point b or what you can add to the company so um any any stories that uh pop out at you as far as uh, people that you that broke through and and they got out of their shell uh famous people you mean that i've seen or in my in my teaching either or i mean i just i think a lot about michael phelps sharing his personal story a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that without his story, he's just this superhuman athlete that can do everything. And with his story, he's 
vulnerable. He's human. He's someone we can connect with. He's someone we can root for. I don't even know if we would root for him if we didn't know about his vulnerabilities that he's put out there because it's hard to root for someone that always wins. Right. Uh, but I, I admire his bravery. He's talked about depression. He's talked about addiction. He's talked about many things out there publicly and uh, is really willing to not be the perfect athlete, but instead be a regular human being just like us. And I really admire him for that. That's someone very recently that I've connected with their bravery for putting that out there. And I think it's helping him. He'll have a longer career than just being a swimmer and retiring from that. He's going to have a whole public speaking career and work with all of these organizations. Now he wants to work with, with, uh, uh, the fight, you know, people fighting depression. And I think that's, or not fighting living with depression, you know? So I think that's great. Yeah, and I just love that you have in your book about or you can fill in the blanks. You can uh, it's it's kind of easy. What do you what do you think the best part about it is about your book and how it relates to people? I think it's in very layman's terms. Uh, I'll tell you the story is actually that book. My well, let me say this: my first book, my memoir, took over a year to get sold because I was an unknown author. This book went out in a week and had competing authors immediately, hmm. uh, and one of the offers was was to write it in a textbook style for businesses. And that's what they wanted. They wanted me to switch it up and write it more like that. And another offer wanted to do it as a more artsy book is the way it is now. And the textbook, you know, the bidding was going up in this and the textbook place wanted to offer me more money to write a book that I didn't really want to write, you know? So I ended up, writing the book from the heart in a way that I thought was really accessible. And I, I turned down that money to, to do it in the way that I wanted to do it. And, um, and I'm so glad I did because in the end it ended up selling so well that it's, and led me to so many wonderful things by just being true to the way I wanted to do the book. So I think that's what is the, why it has been such a big seller is that I think that it's very accessible and under easy to understand for anyone. It's just simple. And I didn't want to write it in a way that was very complicated because I've seen this method work for so many people that I just was like, why, why change it? You know? Well, lastly, I want to get down to do's and don'ts, if you don't mind keeping it uh, the way you want. But what are the storytelling do's and don'ts? Because I think uh, there are a lot of misconceptions people have about what a good story is and what a bad story is. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll give you, want to do three and three? All right, we'll do three do's, which is do take a risk. Don't play it safe. Uh, That's a big one is that people want to tell very safe stories, which end up being kind of boring. And often when they tell a riskier story is where that audience, the audience really connects and it pays off. So I would say do take risks. I would say uh, do... Hmm. I, I would say do tell a story that there are other people involved. Don't worry about this whole thing of other people um, finding out about you telling this story. All you have to do is change names and identifying characteristics if there's someone else in your story and be respectful of that. So do be respectful of the other parties in your story instead of not telling a story because there is another party in it. I think a lot of people get nervous about, I I call it that my mom's going to read my diary syndrome of some sort of like, 
getting caught for sharing a story. And I, it's just like, if you're worried about that, be protective of the other party. I've done things like changed where I met the person or changed, I've changed college majors of a person, things like that. So they're a little bit disguised in the story. Mm-hmm. So that would be two. And then I would say three on my dues would be, uh, <laughs> do tell stories that have a dark humor in them. I think people are really scared of that, but I just, those are my favorites. <laughs> I, just, I just love when people, uh, you know, I just had, unfortunately a couple deaths happened in my family mm. back to back, but I do. And I'm a little bit still in it, but there were some really funny moments at these funerals. And, uh, I, in, in, sometime in the future may tell a story about that. And I think people get nervous to tell about something dark, but at the same time, we've all had darkness in our life and we've all gone through dark times and it's something you can really connect with. So I would, I wouldn't shy away from dark humor at all. Um, and then for don'ts, I could go on for two hours about that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Don't tell me what you've learned at the end of your story. Don't tell me your moral, your lesson, your takeaway, your forced message down my throat. Boring. Let, let your story stand on its own. Let us feel whatever we're going to feel on our own. Trust us. We've got it. We will feel what we want to feel. But don't jam your point down our throat at the end of a story. Um, that would be my one. Two, I would say, well, and this is in the book, but while storytelling is very therapeutic, don't use it as a substitute for therapy, meaning do not tell a story that you are really in the middle of and still processing and it's too hard for you to get through it without completely having a meltdown on stage. Just hmm. don't tell that story on stage right now. Wait till it's processed in a better get all way. Tick, get all ticked up, you know? Yeah, and it really makes audiences uncomfortable. Hmm. And there are ways to share those stories with friends or with a therapist, but on stage, you have to remember at the end of the day that it is still entertainment. So you have to remember that and be respectful of that to your audience who did come there to be entertained at the end of the day. Um, so that would be two. And then three, I would say of my don'ts, uh, don't just list things. Make sure your story has an arc, a beginning, a middle, and an end. A lot of times I just hear people getting on stage saying, uh, I've got a crazy family. This, 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 and this is crazy about my family. Thank you. Good night. So make sure it has an arc, a beginning, middle, and an end. Don't list. And look, Shark Tank, you mentioned yeah. that they tell stories. I love that show, and a lot of people do. And that grabs the heart of people, and it seems real. Not only the people like uh, Barbara Corcoran and, and Mark Cuban, they seem real, and uh, you tune in. But America's Got Talent and The Voice, and it goes on, and it's all about the storytelling. Like never before, you know, and I this think Ninja of- Warrior too. I watch that every night with my kindergartner, and uh, that's about the story. They do a big thing about the story of the ninja before they do their obstacle course. I mean, that's a that's, the stories on there are great, are very well told. But you know that clip that went viral from Shark Tank about the tree teepees. Have you seen that? No. Uh, it, you know, it's this farmer, and they uh, that he wants to sell these tree teepees, which is these things that it's a helping water irrigation for, for farms and they want to raise the price. And he goes, no, I'm not going to raise the price because I'm selling to farmers. And they say, well, you know, we're not making enough profit. You know, they're saying this isn't a big enough profit for us. We're not going to do it. Why won't you raise the price? And he had this beautiful display of emotion and just talked about how he came from this long line of farmers and how this was, 
he knows this culture and he knows his people and he's, it's not worth it to him. He wants to, and he just talked about his background and his life and why, why he cares so much about this by telling his life story in a very brief moment. And it was so filled with emotion. It was so beautiful. And then he gets a deal right after he says that. And it's a, it's a very, you can look it up. It's, it's okay. I lied. I saw it. I'm sorry. I, you know, after you told the story, I remember that one. I totally remember that one. He had a mustache. Yeah. He had a mustache. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they want someone who believes in what they have to say, which I'm sure is really behind, you know, I think you mentioned in your book, you don't have to always believe the story necessarily, I, I think, but I mean, but how much greater, right? If you do believe in everything that you're saying and how that transfers over to another person. And uh, it's amazing how we grow as an audience just from someone telling a good story. I mean, that's why these TED Talks are oh, yeah. so popular as well. Who can we be and develop? and turn into if we learn how to tell a great story? We can be an example to others. If you learn to tell a great story, you're the person brave enough to tell it. And when you become that, you become an inspiration to others to possibly share theirs. I started telling stories on stage because I saw this one night show that they did at UCB theater in New York. That was a storytelling show. And I watched it and it was the first time I ever saw it. And I thought I could do that. But if those people hadn't gotten on stage and done that, I don't know that I would have thought of it. So if you can, you can be an example of a person that is still standing, that has lived through something that is standing there and laughing about it and sharing it and an inspiration to others. So an example and an inspiration would be who you can be by being a great storyteller. Like yeah. I like that. Margot Lightman, she is a Moth Grand Slam champion, and uh, she's the best in the business at telling stories and teaching others. Long story short, go get the book, The Only Storytelling Guide You'll Ever Need. Margot is a five-time winner of the Moth Story Slam. She also is, uh, she's written for NBC, DreamWorks TV, the Hallmark Channel, and more. And uh, wow, thank you for sharing your heart and, uh, and for getting us uh, really tuned in to what storytelling is all about. Appreciate you being on the program. I appreciate you asking me to be on it. This was a lot of fun. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission 
to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total Sound Control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.